Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the couch. Uh, it's been a long time. I don't, I don't quite know how long it's been, but the answer is it's been too long. Uh, happy to be back in the saddle. We're here with the boys as always, Max and Jordan. Boys, how do we feel to be, uh, you know, once again on on this doing this podcast together? So excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Thank. It feels great, and thank you also. <laughs> always, always, fellas. Strong uh, Feigenbaum has come back from Italy. I think it's I think it's fair to mention that uh, we got to mention that he will be mm-hmm. uh, helping us out big time when we get back to school in about uh, a week or so. So definitely looking forward to implementing him back into uh, into the squad. Also, uh, check out our TikTok because we became active on that again. So be aware of that. Yeah, the couch, the couch podcast three and just all the all the couch TikToks and as well as the Lovecast TikTok. Uh, we're getting active again on those, which is great um, now that we're going to get. You know, the, the majority of the break is over. The winter break is over. Finals are over. Um, we're going to get back into a routine with uh, with all this stuff. And we're, we're very, very excited about it because we got a lot of content to bring your way. Um, but first, uh, I think we have to address uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation that happened last night in the Bills and Bengals game. Obviously, first things first, I just want to uh, say that, you know, the couch and the Lubcast family definitely extends uh, our prayers and thoughts to his family, the Bills, uh, and the Bengals as well, because that is a traumatic experience for everyone uh, who witnessed it. And so, but specifically, Demar Hamlin and his family, we like to extend our thoughts and prayers. And we're not, you know, any kind of doctors, so we're not going to make any kind of assumptions. Uh, we just know that he is currently in critical condition, and we are just praying that he uh, can make it out of it, um, and you know, be able to be with his family. Yeah, that was uh, really tough to watch. Um, just shows that you know. These guys are giving themselves up for a sport. And at the end of the day, um, none of this really matters. It's all about, you know, family and relationships and their people, too. So uh, as people or as a podcast, you know, that has to sometimes just dissect um, like performance. uh, We try to do that in a respectful way. And I think when um, something like this happens, although this is the first time, but when someone gets horrifically injured, it sort of just reminds you that these guys are people and it's easy for us to sit sit on our couch and say, like, they suck. But we try not to do that, and I think this was a good reminder of why. Um, so, yeah, shout out to his family. We have him in, his, in our prayers and all that because we're hoping for a speedy recovery because that was, that was uh, terrifying. It was really tough to watch. We were all together. All three of us were together when it happened, and uh, I don't know. That was a weird w- weird feeling in the room for sure. Yeah, definitely like shook everything up. Um, but well said. Yeah, I think it kind of just when something like that happens, it just makes the what you're watching in the sport seem so insignificant, even though yeah. that's you know why you turn the TV on and that's you were looking forward to watching a great game when when that happened, it it just everything shifted and and you just pray for him and his family. So yeah, it just it just makes you realize, like like Max said, it's it's more than you know, just sports. They're real people and we have to be, be aware of that. So but yeah, pl- prayers out to Demar and his family. We've seen it with Tua uh, again uh, this year as well. Definitely on a not um, as severe uh, as as uh, I guess of an on-field injury, but definitely still very significant. Uh, and we have to take a step back as you know. I guess we can call ourselves analysts or just you know fans of sports in general. Uh, that this is that these are real people and that they're bigger than sports and they are they you know their sons, grandsons, fathers. Uh, brothers and, and sisters as well so um, definitely just want to take a step back and, and you know definitely bring that up because it's something that uh, we have to absolutely talk about um, and we're just praying for Demar Hamlin and his family but 
shifting topics here. Um, we witnessed, I would say, probably the best college football playoff yet. Yeah. Those two Absolutely. games were, were unbelievable games. Uh, I didn't get the opportunity to watch all of them completely through, which I am kind of upset about because I just kept checking my phone and it was just a, they were both back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, unbelievable games. Now we're set up for a Georgia TCU final. Uh, Vegas has this one being pretty lopsided. Uh, and I don't know if I agree with them on this one. Yeah, um, I think, Butsy, we should be allowed to call ourselves analysts because do you know what I did? I, at the crack of midnight, made sure to push off kissing my girlfriend to watch George, or, uh, Ohio State miss a field goal. So I think that makes us um, officially analysts, in my opinion. But yeah, this was the best college football playoff uh, I think there's probably been. Um, I just wanted to start. Do you guys think that it should be this lopsided? I know you said you didn't, Butsy. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think it should be. Um, honestly, I think people expected Georgia to absolutely whack Ohio State. I know a lot of people were saying that, um, and it didn't happen. Uh, Ohio State was able to hang in there for a long time with their explosive offense, and I think that TCU will be able to do that as well. Uh, I think their offense is obviously really good. They just put up fifty-one points against a pretty decent uh, Georgia defense, or uh, sorry, uh, Michigan defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while Michigan's defense is nowhere to the caliber of Georgia's, it's still decent and i and i definitely think that dcu will be able to put up points and kind of hang with georgia for a while uh, i am expecting this to be another shootout though uh definitely i'm looking forward to watching a, a hopeful a back and forth back and forth game again yeah i think i i definitely see why the line is 13 it, i was surprised when i saw it but when i when i look at the games um tcu put up 51 but two of those were 14 of those points were pick sixes um, and then also Max Duggan, I didn't realize really did not play a good game at all. He was 14 for 29. Um, they did a lot of damage on the ground. And in terms of Georgia, like Kirby Smart was after the game, you could see he was pissed at how they played. Like they yeah. they did not play their best game against Ohio State at all. Um, and I think Ohio State honestly played their best game. I think Ohio State may have come into that game slightly underrated. Um, just because they lost earlier in the year to Michigan. Um, but yeah, I think Georgia is is gonna come out and prove something defensively. And I don't think TCU is gonna be able to put up nearly 51. I, I think they get held to uh around 30. To, to Georgia's oh, Georgia's front seven is disgusting. And to Jordan, like to Jordan's point, Duggan did not play well. Uh, I think he threw I think the two number might have been three or four picks all year, and then he ended up throwing two uh, yeah. against Michigan. And I, I definitely think part of that is because, uh, you know, he's playing in his first real bowl game, uh, and he's in the college football playoff, and, and energy was high. You could tell from the jump that, you know, teams took a while to settle in to, to what they were going to do for the game. Uh, but still, you know, 14 for 29 is not great, and Georgia's front seven is gross, so – I think TCU might have a tough time running the ball. I think they're going to have to rely on Duggan through the air. Uh, and their receiver, uh, I forget his name, I think it's Quinn and Johnson. Uh, he's, I think, one of the best receivers in the country right now. He had six catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. He's going to need to have another big game um, if TCU is going to want to keep this close because I think they're going to have a tough time running the ball. Yeah, Quinn Johnson, Jordan Hudson played really well. Um, I mean, Jordan Hudson only had two catches, but he's averaging 17 yards a catch. Um, to your point about, um, just being shook. 
I think Georgia, we saw Stetson Bennett get shook for the first half. Um, he didn't really look like he was comfortable. He looked like he just was actually a little overamped. I don't know if he was maybe shook's not the right word. I think he was like he came into it overhyped and was kind of making overthrows and stuff like that. And then um Kirby Smart even alluded to it in his halftime interview. He said we need to slow Stetson down. Um, he seems like he's a little overhyped. And then eventually they got him to kind of calm down a little bit and um just, you know, keep do what he needed to do to get the win. Um so I was I was impressed with that. I, I do agree. I think Kirby Smart's going to have this Georgia team looking a lot better against TCU because I think that they realize that I'm sure everyone's probably outside of the SEC fans and maybe just outside of Georgia fans. I think everyone's rooting for TCU would be my guess. Do you guys have any feelings towards that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe, but uh, there's definitely a lot of Georgia fans out there, but I feel like the general public is – uh, kind of leaning towards TCU because it's a team that has never, yeah, you know, made it before. They they haven't had a lot of bright spots uh, in their football cro- program, and for them to be in the national title game, I think, you know, everyone's going to want to see an upset because everyone loves a good underdog story. Yeah, so I I think that Georgia kind of is going to come into this with this narrative that they're the underdog or that everyone hates them and their backs are against the wall and they want to sh- prove something. So, um, I could see, I could see a blowout, but I think, um. I guess now that we talked it out a little bit, I guess that 13 and a half number is interesting. Um, I just don't see TCU after all they've been through, um, you know, letting it get to a two touchdown game. I think they're going to fight to the very end, but so will Georgia. So no matter what, it's going to be a very interesting game just from like an analysis point of view. Yeah. The one other thing I'll say about the Georgia Ohio state game is CJ Stroud played probably the best game of his career and yeah. like one of the best games I've seen from a college quarterback in a long time. He really like, he didn't, not only did he not make mistakes, but he was making plays that should not like that. No one else really has made against Georgia. So I don't really think Duggan's going to do that same thing. Um, Stroud honestly had like three or four plays that Georgia really couldn't do much about. It was just Stroud going above and beyond to to make a throw or escape a tackle so i think that's why the line is um 13 13 i don't know if i'll bet it or not um it's definitely too soon but i get why it is that yeah i i mean it makes sense uh i don't and i think you brought up a good point about cj stroud absolutely kind of dicing up georgia secondary and i don't know if this is georgia secondary not being great or if it's just cj stroud being you know arguably the best quarterback in the country. Um, I definitely think this helped raise his draft stock a little bit. Do you guys think that he's going to go over Bryce Young still, or do you think Bryce Young is still the clear number one pick? I think Bryce Young is still clear number one. Um, Bryce is just so poised. I know I know CJ Stroud had that one, um, or he had a great game, obviously, but I think um, Bryce, Bryce Young's body of work is a little bit more impressive, and he does it more often and on a more regular basis. Um, I think the the downside is his size. Um, he's he's relatively undersized coming in, so I think people are the NFL is looking at that. But I think they think you know with the relative success of Kyler Murray and Justin Fields and Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, um, there is a, a a a path for him to go along as a small quarterback to be successful. Um, I think CJ Stroud doesn't have the uh, mental sort of factors that 
um, Bryce Young has that sets him apart. I think CJ Stroud is lacking those things, and I think he's going to drop a little bit. Um, this uh, this was a good performance for him, though, um, and it did definitely help his draft stock. But I think Bryce Young is going to be the clear cut number one uh, quarterback taken. Yeah, I agree. I think Bryce is still better. I think it's just like he's just clearly more talented. CJ played like I said, an unbelievable game and he's capable of being really good, but he doesn't have nearly the arm talent that Bryce does. And I think that's really all it comes down to. But to be fair too, um, no one gets the quarterback, right? Like that's the one thing that NFL draft, like NFL teams have not been able to figure out is drafting quarterbacks. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's just like it, like no one's really been successful with it. If you look at it, not one team has been able to like draft a bunch of, successful quarterbacks in a row every time they're drafted. well yeah it's definitely hard i mean but it's so hard well yeah but you see you see um like top picks go on to be really good and yeah I, I know what you mean like there's a lot of really good quarterbacks that go way way later in the draft like than you would think looking back at it so but still from a draft perspective like i would still take bryce young yeah, yeah. i don't think that the nfl is like ever going to shift their drafting strategy to where it's like oh, this guy checks every single box and we're not going to take him or something like that. Like if you're drafting and it's the same way in the NBA where it's kind of like you have to take some of these guys, like you have to take that risk and you have to buy into some of these players because yeah. there's the opportunity that, you know, they might have the highest ceiling. Um, it's like so Zion. Can, like he has, yeah, a, right. he had a crazy injury risk, but you don't want to be the one that passed on Zion. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be like in, you know, I think the magic getting Paolo, like no one yeah. thought Paolo was going to go first, right? So they kind of like shifted it a little bit where it was like, all right, we're not taking Jabari, we're going to take Paolo uh, because he, you know, checks some different boxes or whatever. But, you know, they took a gamble doing that. Uh, they definitely took a gamble not taking uh, Jabari Smith and it worked out because I think everyone had him as the clear cut one in a lot of mock drafts and then Paolo came out of nowhere. So, you know, that's like an example of the magic taking a risk and it kind of paying off. But I don't think the discrepancy between Paolo and uh, Jabari Smith is anywhere close to the discrepancy between um, like a Bryce Young and a CJ Stroud or someone like that to the point yeah. where you're going to take Stroud over uh, Bryce Young. But Bryce Young had a very impressive bowl game as well. Uh, picked yeah. up a big, big time win for Alabama. Uh, they kind of started to look like the Alabama of old, but um, they're unfortunately not in the playoff, which is actually like, I love the fact that they're not in the playoff this year. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was watching that TCU Michigan game with my dad and, he like we were both sitting there and he was like Alabama would smush either of these teams. And I was I was like, I kind of agree. Like Bama looks way better than both of them, but I still don't think they deserve to get in. No, they did yeah. not. But That's, after after their performance, you're right though. They they would have I mean they played a you know, Kansas State just beat TCU in the Big Twelve championship yeah. and then Bama just smushed TCU. Um and then I I or sorry, they smushed Kansas State. And I, I really do think that they would have like not like crushed, but they would have been able to handle both teams comfortably. Uh, and I just think that, you know, but the way, it, the way it played out, they didn't deserve to get in. So I think the committee did a good job. And, and honestly, it, it led to two of the most exciting college football playoff games we've ever seen. So definitely, definitely some pros to take away from that. Yeah. Let's go to NFL. righty, We had a busy, busy week in the NFL. Uh, this was elimination Sunday. I guess you could say we had the, Commanders, Jets, Saints, Browns, Panthers, Raiders, and Falcons, I believe, this week all get eliminated from playoff contention. Um, the big one I want to talk about is the Washington Commanders. 
they are now seven, eight, and one. You know, they started Carson Wentz this week after Heineke came in and played pretty well. Um, he played pretty well, but he's also just a very exciting quarterback, makes a lot of exciting plays, kind of gives a spark to that football team. Carson Wentz comes in at home against the Browns in a must win game and puts up an absolute stinker. They lose 24 to 10. So, Jordan, I'm going to swing this question to you. Do you think that they should have stuck with Taylor Heineke? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Wentz has, I mean, Wentz has proven himself to not be good enough um, to play. To, to start for any football team and especially a team that you can see clearly rallies around a different guy. Even if you want to say Wentz is more talented and he can make more plays or whatever. Um, the team just plays different when Heineke's in and, and Heineke makes plays and he makes big, you know, clutch plays in big moments. I'm not going to sit here and argue that he's, you know, the far superior quarterback to Carson, but I think there's a lot to be said for the, the mojo of a team and how you rally around your quarterback. I mean, he yeah. also he also threw uh, – he was 16 for 28 for 143 yards, no touchdowns, and three picks. Uh, you can't play like that in a must-win game when you've been yeah. injured and your team expects you to come back and be a stud. Um, in my opinion, I think Carson Wentz's time in the NFL is, as a starter is, is, is done. Uh, I mean, the Browns' defense is good, but it's not that good. Like, it's not, you know, turning you over three times good. So um, I think Carson Wentz's time in the NFL as a starter, I think, I think could be done, which is unfortunate because, you know, before his original injury, uh, when he was that MVP candidate that one year, I think it was like 2017, maybe he was an absolute stud. You watch Carson Wentz highlights from 2017 um, and you won't recognize him because he's just a completely different player. And then he got hurt. Uh, then, you know, the foals and all that history, but um, no, I, I, and it's unfortunate that the commander's, didn't start Heineke because I really think that they would have won the game with him. Um, putting up 10 points with three picks is just not, not going to win your football games. Um, and especially in games that are must win at home against, you know, not a great team. It's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate to see them gone because they had a, they had a fun year too. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, interesting to see Ron Rivera not know that <laughs> they could get eliminated in the press conference. I, I like think listening he tried to, to me clarify on this podcast sometimes. Huh? That's like me. I do that shit on this podcast sometimes. Like, uh, there's been a lot of like the SEC East and West. And I couldn't figure out why uh, LSU was playing in the SEC bowl game. That was a bad one. Um, I felt like that was one of yeah. But you're luckily not an NFL head coach. No, I'm yeah, not comparing true. myself. I was just saying it felt like one of those fucking weird slip ups I have. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was pretty tough to see. The uh, I think he tried to clarify it and was like, I did, I, I think he just he tried to cover his ass and it was a bad cover up. I think he just restated the fact that he knew like they, they didn't know that he could get eliminated. I think he thought that they controlled their own destiny. Yeah. When in reality, they just didn't. And it's like he tried to clarify that, but it's still not good that you didn't know that. Like it, it didn't didn't help the situation at all. Uh, but another team that got eliminated this week was the Carolina Panthers who somehow pulled the season together after firing rule and getting rid of Baker. Uh, they went to Tampa Bay and almost pulled off a crazy comeback. Tom Brady was an absolute baller though. Uh, he played out of his, out of his fucking mind. He had uh, 430, he threw for 432 yards, three touchdowns, 75.6 completion percentage. That's just vintage Tom. Uh, and, and now it's like, if they play well in week 18, which they might not even play in week 18 because they already locked up the division. And I don't think it changes uh, their standings at all, but 
you know, now it's like the Bucks have some momentum going into the playoffs. They might play the Cowboys or possibly the Eagles uh, first game. So, Jordan, like, c- can the Bucks team knock off one of these teams? Yeah, this is actually – so we can hopefully transition to the, our next segment, which is overreactions from Week 17. So my overreaction was uh, the Bucks are, are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And – I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing it out there as an overreaction. I think they can beat the Cowboys. I really do. And I don't – I wouldn't pick them, but it would be tough. It would be tough to to pick against them. I, You know, um, I don't know. I don't think they can win the Super Bowl, but I do think they can make a run. Wait, just to be clear, uh, we're giving out our takes, and then we are going to judge whether or not it's an overreaction. Like, so if Jordan gives out his take – Butsy and I are going to rate whether or not it's an overreaction. Um, I will say that is an overreaction. I, I just don't think um, yeah. they have the health for it. Um, I know Tom Brady's been looking better, um, and he has the skill. Like I, I'm not going to be one that bets against Tom Brady, but the rest of the team just doesn't seem like it's up to par uh, with some of these other teams. Like I can see Micah Parsons is going to give them a lot of trouble up front because their of- offensive line is just demolished right now. Um, Butsy, do you think that's an overreaction? No, I don't think so because I really do think that if Tom Brady is playing like that brand of football, uh, he's really tough to beat anywhere. Um, and I think this defense is going to figure it out. Um, I think they have figured it out. I know Jordan was saying very early in there that they were the best defense in the NFL, but they obviously got very banged up. Their offensive line is very banged up. So, you know, a team like the – I guess they're going to play probably the Cowboys or the Eagles if the Eagles somehow lose next week and the Cowboys win. Um those teams both have very good pass rushes. So if they can find a way, they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're the worst run offense in the NFL. I think they're literally, I literally think they're dead last in that category, but if they can find a way to give Tom any kind of time, I think Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, you know, playing some of their best football right now too. So I think if they can, uh, if Brady gets time to find his guys, I think there's no reason that, um, the Bucks can't win a home playoff game and and knock off one of these Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, um, my overreaction, or well, my take that we're gonna argue whether or not it's an overreaction was that I think that the uh, Vikings are gonna miss, uh, or I think they're gonna get in the playoffs and get uh, taken out in the first round. I don't think they're going far at all. Um, I think this team is completely fraudulent, and we're realizing that now. Yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction at all. Uh, I don't know who they played. Is it? like set as to what couple of teams they would face? I don't know. I don't think so yet. Uh, like it would be what, Giants? Three spot. They would be playing the Giants. Right? Yeah, they'd I be mean, playing the they'd be playing the Giants. Or the okay, Cowboys. So, okay, if it's the Cowboys, then they're getting absolutely tossed around. I don't think I think the Vikings are completely frauds. I think they're cooked. Um, they were hot for a long time, uh, but they, they've definitely lost it. And, like, they just – they don't play well against good teams. I think they can beat the Giants, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the Giants either. I don't think it's an overreaction either at all, actually. I think it's kind of – like, I think everyone's, everyone's thinking that right now because they were – I think the, their number was they were 10-0 and in one-score games. And they've just had some really, really embarrassing losses. Like the the games that haven't been one scores, they've just been absolutely getting fucking railed. Uh, yeah. They got absolutely spanked by the Cowboys, and they just got absolutely embarrassed by uh, the Packers. Like they, 
I don't know what it is. They just like, and they should have lost to the Colts too. They were down fucking 35 to the Colts. And this team just hasn't shown up consistently. And um, honestly, they just have proven to me that they can't beat good teams. Like, yeah. They, I, I just don't, even like teams that are decent and just well coached, like the Packers, like they're not a great yeah. football team, but they just got absolutely embarrassed on every front. Yeah. I think also being 10 and 0 in one score games is a, stat that like goes against you like that's not a good thing because that's completely unsustainable in the nfl and especially in the playoffs you're gonna find yourself in a close game at some point in the year and there's no way you can win every single one score game because it's it's just that's the nfl and that's not how like they, they've just been it's not getting lucky but it's a crazy run of winning close games that you can't sustain for an entire season so yeah i think they're frauds I 100% agree. Uh, so just to clear it up, Minnesota would be playing the Giants as of right now. Tampa Bay would be playing Dallas and San Francisco would be playing Seattle. Uh, so let's take a little break here. We got we just have uh, a minute left in the Zoom. We come back. I'm going to give my hot take and uh, the boys will debate whether it's an overreaction or not. And uh, we'll cover some NBA. So we'll be right back with that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My overreaction after last weekend. Honestly, this doesn't have to do with uh, as much as how this team played last week, just the direction that I see this team heading. Um, I think the Kansas City Chiefs uh, will be in the Super Bowl from the AFC side. Uh, And I actually am going to take them to win the Super Bowl currently. I think this team is getting uh, a lot of momentum late in the season. I know they just played a weirdly close game against the Broncos, but I think the only reason that that game was close was because of the fourth and seven fucking shit where – Russell Wilson got tackled, but then there was like a defensive holding on the play. I think he threw a pick and then there was a defensive holding and it it negated the fourth down and Denver ended up going down and scoring. But um, I think the chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I think they're the most talented team in the NFL. And I think they're also the best coach team in the NFL. Uh, And they've also been in the playoffs multiple times before. If they get this one seed, which it looks like they could now after this Buffalo Cincinnati game uh, is getting canceled or postponed, they don't plan on finishing it this week. If that game doesn't get played, Kansas City will have the one seed locked up. They'll have home field throughout the playoffs. And and I think they're eager to get back. You know, after losing to Cincinnati last year at home, I think I think they could easily get back this year. And I think they could win it because I don't think that the NFC is uh as strong as the AFC for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think whoever comes out of the AFC will probably uh take it down. And I think it's the Bills, Bengals, Chiefs are the 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 three horse race um i think the chiefs are are going to win it as well and i really think it's it comes down to pat mahomes being the best player in football and like there was so much discussion about josh allen um preseason and early in the season about uh if he's better than mahomes and and as we've gone through it's been clear like every other quarterback has some sort of flaw um or shortcoming where pat mahomes just doesn't and he's been consistent they have number one offense um in large part because of him and then you add on you know travis kelsey and andy reed and they become this almost you know methodical unstoppable offense um and their defense just you know needs to get timely stops and and they have some players on defense too not you know people don't talk about the chiefs defense like um like they do with the bills um or the niners or like these top defenses but they don't really need to because i think the the offense does so much and Mahomes just can overcome so much that other other quarterbacks can't. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think this is an overreaction at all. I, I like this take, and I think it actually uh, is a good segue into the next uh, topic, which was our top five like power rankings for the NFL. Um, because personally, I have the Chiefs number one right now. Um, I think Mahomes, like everything Jordan said, he wrapped it up nicely. Um, it just looks like Mahomes also isn't even trying. Like It looks like he honestly is leaving some in the tank for the postseason, like sort of like Steph Curry Warriors-esque. Like they go off, they do enough to win. They they play really, really well, but it still doesn't even feel like Mahomes is breaking a sweat at this point. Um, for that reason, I have the Chiefs number one. Yeah, go ahead and give us your five max. Yeah, I have um the Chiefs, the Bills, and then I have Dallas, Eagles, Niners. That was kind of where I got a little confused. I think the Bengals could be in there maybe over the Niners um we can debate that I think like Dallas I like right now um just they have offensive weapons Dak's been playing all right and their defense is just really solid um they're pretty well coached with Mike McCarthy I know a lot of people don't aren't super high on him um but I can I, I like this Dallas team they seem to be getting it going and clicking they're tough um and then I also like the Eagles have dropped a lot for me because they're injured. Um, we don't know. Like, I know Dallas Goddard's getting back, or he's been back. Uh, he's trying to, you know, get in the swing of things. He's been playing all right. Jalen Hurts, obviously, has been out the last two games. That's probably more of a cautious thing. But then they left their – they lost, I believe, their center, was it, that they lose? Um, no. They left, it was one of their offensive linemen they lost. Who was a, It was a big blow for them. Um, and – so that that I I just like I knew they were gonna get injured. They had been having pretty all right injury luck, but they're starting to go downhill now injury wise. Um, and I think that's gonna hurt. And then, uh, with the Niners, Brock Purdy guys, uh, he's been playing really well for them. Um, he's doing enough to get it done. They had that awesome game Vegas versus Niners. Um, that was a really great game. And this Niners defense is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you know Christian McCaffrey doesn't get enough credit for just being plugged in to a completely new offense and a completely new team, a new system and just thriving right away and really just being a jack of all trades for this offense. So um, those are my five. I would listen to a, a Bengals being added in. Um, but I think from there, I don't know if I would have anyone else at the top five. Yeah. I actually have uh chiefs one Bengals second, then the bills, then the Niners and the Eagles. Um, Bengals, I think, are just really complete, and yeah. that offense is something else with uh, Higgins and Chase and, and Burrow, and then even having a star running back too, which the other um, the two teams of the AFC do not have it, uh, with Mixon. I think that offense is is crazy, um, and their defense is is pretty formidable as well. So I have them second. Um, I I also have them second because they beat. Uh, they they have multiple big wins this year over um, the other AFC teams. So uh, then I have the Bills, um, the Niners, Eagles. I like what you said about the Eagles, Max, um, with all their injuries. It, it's tough um, to know where to rank them, but you hope, you know, those guys get back. Obviously, Hurts is coming back. I'm not sure about um, – I think his name's Lane Johnson is their yeah. uh, tackle. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't come back, that's a, that's a huge blow for them. So uh, – but yeah, and then the Cowboys, I will say I don't have the Cowboys because I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan at all. I think that's a big shortcoming for them. And I also think um Dak doesn't compare to Hertz, Allen, Burrow, Burrow. 
or Mahomes. Obviously, Purdy with the Niners is a different situation, um, but the Niners just have a completely loaded roster. Uh, I don't think Dak really stacks up um, with, you know, the other top QBs. So I leave the Cowboys off. I, I have them at six. That's fair. Yeah, I, 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 I kept the um, Cowboys off my list as well because mainly because of Dak, to be honest. Dak leads the league in interceptions, and he missed six games. Yeah. Or four games or five games. Like he missed a significant amount of games and he still leads the league in interceptions. You can't be turning the ball over against, you know, especially in the playoffs. You can't be turning the ball over, period, in the playoffs. But like he was throwing interceptions on Thursday night football to the fucking Titans, who are just mm-hmm. not a great football team at all. And yeah, they're well coached, but um, Dak, too many turnovers for me to have him in my top five. I'm going to go Chiefs one. I have Bills two, I have Bengals three, I have Niners four, um, and then I have Eagles five. The only reason I don't have Eagles as my second is because of the Hurts injury. If Hurts is healthy, it's it's one Chiefs, two Eagles for me. Um, but if Hurts isn't 100% or not playing at all for that matter, they're not a good team without him clearly. And, you know, there's that whole argument that was going around for the last couple of weeks where it was, you know, it was Hurts' system quarterback, and the Eagles still do it without Hurts. And they almost did it against uh, the Cowboys on Christmas Day, but came up a little short. And then against the Saints, they just absolutely uh, – Minshew put up an absolute stinker, but only uh, scored 10 points. So, um, if Hurts is healthy, Eagles are my sec- uh, second in my power rankings. But um, until he is back 100% healthy, and I know that he's 100% healthy, they're going to stay uh, number five for me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, did you guys want to transition to the NBA? Because there was an absolutely insane uh, scoring night for the NBA last night. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Yeah, it was it was wild. Uh, we had some. We had the third. I think it was the third seventy-plus point game uh, of the century. Uh, we had uh, Donovan put up seventy-one points last night in an overtime win against the Bulls. I like he just single-handedly won them the game. Uh, he was unbelievable, but then we also had Clay Thompson putting up 54, DeRozan put up 44 in a loss, uh, LeBron put up 43 in a win, and then Joel Embiid had 42 in the win. Um, so many guys, you just you know, are putting up these crazy stat lines now. Uh, and to be fair, they're all superstar caliber players or have been superstar caliber players at one point in their career. Um, but you know, this kind of raises the question for me. Is is like forty points? Can anybody put up forty points nowadays, or is that just like how the NBA's, you know, how defense is played in the NBA? Whether it's like, are these guys just getting too good? I I don't know. You know, where where what does this say about the broader picture of the NBA? Yeah, I mean, like I think I think anyone could put up. I'm not sure anyone could put up forty, but I think a lot more people, a lot more players could put up forty, like. Um, I think you see it more with the amount of players that are averaging 20 plus points per game. It's it's insane. And a lot of this time, um, like because the NBA is so talented right now, it's definitely a lot more talented than it was uh, in the past. And that's just because of the way that youth basketball has just completely flourished um, right now. There's kids that are playing in AU that are being you know, one-on-one coached with, you know, private trainers from at, at age like seven all the way until they're in high school uh, and even past high school. And the way that this JUCO system and college works, um, 
these guys are these kids are so much um just better at or they're just so much better at basketball uh than we've ever seen and we're seeing just a ridiculous boost of talent and then not to mention Europe is producing some of the best players in the world I actually think they have a better way of teaching basketball and I think that they are going to make better they are making better players than the U.S. players right now um and I think that eventually the U.S. is going to need a transition away from the AAU system because it sort of feeds this weird style basketball that is not necessarily uh successful but we can get into that later but I mean just to name a few it's like Jokic, Luka, uh Kristaps Porzingis um there's been a lot of Giannis, Victor Wenbanyama, all these guys that are coming over from Europe that could all like we just named Giannis, Victor Wenbanyama, Luka, Jokic. We'll take Victor off because he's not in the NBA yet, but those three guys are three of the best five players in the NBA right now. Um, and they're all from Europe. But that's besides the point. These guys like they they've just figured out a way to optimize how good players can be. And because of that, I think that you see a lot of players that have the ability to score. 20 to 40 points per game but don't because of the talent um saturation on teams like if you took Karis Levert for example and put him on some rat team like uh let's say like the Spurs like he could easily average 20 points per game so long-winded answer but yes I think that you're going to see a lot more of these big nights I mean how many like four players three players had 40 plus or yeah did all five had over 40 points last night that's insane yeah and I mean, Butsy said, like, they are all, you know, star players. But when you look at it, like, Donovan is maybe a top 15 player in the NBA. Like, it's it's not like he's a he's a guy that just goes out uh, and he's one of the guys that you would take, you know, over over anyone and, and wouldn't ever trade him. Like, he's he's a really good player, but for him to go out and get 71 and us just just, you know, not really think much of it. It's like, oh, wow, Donovan had a huge game like. Booker did it a couple of years ago. And it's like, these guys are good players, but they're not top five guys. Um, so I think it's interesting. And then like clay getting 54, obviously we've seen clay go off. Um, but 54 from another guy like clay, who I don't even know if he's a top 20 player anymore. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think he is. So it's, it's crazy to see like the depth um, of the NBA and how many guys can go out and put up huge numbers. I don't think, you know, just, just random role players can do it. Uh, but when you have the type of volume that that these players get, you can see like the top the top thirty guys in the NBA can go and score forty plus. Any on any given night too, yeah. um, they're just. I think they're just, it, it, the skill that these guys have is unbelievable, and honestly, for defenders, it, there's not much you can do about it sometimes. But you know, Jordan, we were watching the Nuggets Celtics the other day, uh, and we just saw some of the sloppiest basketball that we've seen all year in the NBA. So it's like, it's part of that. Just these guys are going through the motions at this point. And if a guy decides, you know, he's coming in with a different mindset tonight that he can, you know, like obviously has a skill, like he's a top 20, 25 player, but if he comes in with a mindset that he's going to torch tonight, you know, can he do it because of how lackadaisical this defense is? And an interesting point about the European players was I just watched the uh, redeem team a couple of weeks ago the uh, documentary on Netflix about the USA team going back and uh, winning the gold after losing in 2004. And these European players are like giving LeBron, Kobe, Melo, D-Wade, like all runs for their money. And it's all because of like the different style and different brand of basketball they play. They play so much more fundamentally sound basketball um, that it's 
completely different for these USA guys where it's a lot of individual talent. Uh, but you look at Luka and Jokic play, they're fundamentals and they're just stability. I don't even know. I don't even know what to call it. Just like stability on the court is unbelievable. Like Jokic with his footwork and how he can just get shots up over people. <laughs> Luka with his footwork and his talent. And, um, you know, he's not a very fast guy, but his way to maneuver defenders to get him in positions where he can get to his spot and score any time. Uh, and, and make plays for others as well. So it's just the Europe, Europe, Europeans play a different brand of basketball. And I think, uh, you know, Kobe, Kobe Bryant said it about 20 years ago. He was like, Europeans are going to take over the NBA because everyone in the U.S. is losing uh, sight of the fundamentals. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good point. And I think we're going to see it come to fruition. But I don't actually I don't think we'll see it come to fruition because I don't believe that there's going to be that many good European players. Uh, but we're just seeing a small sample size of Luka, Giannis, um, Jokic and a couple other guys where they're just dominant in the NBA because they just play uh, a different brand of basketball. Well, they're also taught all five uh, positions, no matter what you are. So like Jokic was taught to ball handle and like you're, they're taught every single aspect of basketball, regardless of their size. So we like we, we experienced this in our lives. Like Jordan and I were taller and uh, well, like you were a relatively smaller in high school than you are now. Now we're all around the same size, but you were mostly a guard, Butsy. And then Jordan was like a small forward. And then I was less skilled than all of you guys. So I would play like power forward. And we all were separated. You didn't necessarily, you weren't taught to like, um, like, you know, post up and like use your body in a big man sense. You were taught more how to dribble and shoot, you know, and work like a guard. Whereas Jordan was taught more how to shoot correctly and not, you know, do the post fundamental stuff. Well, the, he, you know what I'm trying to say? Like he wasn't, we were all separated by our sizes and taught different things. Whereas in Europe, um, that wouldn't be the case. It would be, everyone is taught how to do that post footwork and use their body correctly. No matter, regardless of size, everyone's taught how to ball handle, regardless of how tall you are. Um, yeah. everyone's taught to shoot regardless of how tall you are. So you it's interesting. That, you can see that with, uh, Jokic and Luca, especially with Jokic. Yeah. Jokic being one of the passers of all time, I think already is fair to yeah. say. And it's it's because he can do it at seven foot whatever that he's such a good passer, um, especially compared to you know the other big men. There's no one even close. Um, and then yeah, like like Butsy said, Luca uses his body better than you know any other guard or forward in the league, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Webinyama is an exception. He's just an absolute human glitch, dude. Yeah, he's a freak. I mean, yeah, he kind he of plays like he plays similarly to, like I would say, more the NBA guys, like the the USA NBA guys, rather than the European guys. Uh, just simply because of the fact that he's just an absolute specimen of a human, and just you know, he doesn't he doesn't need to use his like he's not he's fat, like he's quick. He's like he's a quick seven six or seven four, whatever the hell he is. Yeah, um, Jokic five. and Luca are not, and so they utilize other uh, tactics to you know, to get to their spots and get their shots and make plays for others. But Webinyama is just an absolute freak of nature. So, yeah, but you also see like he has this, the hand, the handle, which I don't think if he was in, like he would have been good regardless of where he was born. But I definitely think him being born in France or I mean, just being in France in general, uh, when it, in a time where they're, you know, teaching basketball a little bit differently, I don't know if you would see his handle be as tight as it is as if he was in America, just because I feel like they'd probably have him underneath the basket being big. I do agree with that. 
Yeah, I do. do but it's an interesting. That. It's interesting dynamic. It is, and that was a that was a great little uh great little conversation we've had. Um, great episode, guys. Great first episode back. Uh, make sure to follow the socials, the TikToks, the Instagram. Uh, we're gonna be ro- rolling out all a bunch of content. Uh, clipping up some TikToks from from this episode, and you know, excited to get back to work and excited to get back in the grind. So, yeah, thank you all for listening, and uh, see you guys. Peace.